Welcome to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast, hosted by former Army ROTC Professor of Military Science, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Rob Kirkland. In these episodes, we explore how to best prepare yourself to obtain one of these valuable scholarships for those applicants who wish to attend a college or university and become officers in the military. The application process can be complex and confusing. This podcast works to make it more understandable. And now, the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. Hi, uh, welcome uh, today. Uh, this podcast uh, will uh, discuss two uh, different topics, the first being uh, Army ROTC nursing and nursing scholarships. And then the second part will be uh, on public colleges versus private college choices, which type of college should you attend and what is the pluses and minuses of attending either one. So for our first part of our podcast, we're um, going to, we're talking here with uh, Liz Reitabach. Uh, Cadet Liz Reitabach is uh, a MS2 or military level two cadet at uh, Xavier University. And she is a nursing cadet there. And so we want to hear from her today and get her views on being a Army ROTC nurse. So uh, welcome today, uh, Cadet Reidebach. Thank you. <laughs> All right, great. Well, first, you know, first, uh, uh, Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm 19 years old. I'm a sophomore at Xavier University. I'm from Buffalo, New York. I'm a nursing major in ROTC also at Xavier. So when you were in high school and you were uh, thinking about going into uh, the military and, and doing uh, nursing, what were some of the things that you were thinking about, some of the things that caused you to you know, make the decision to go in this direction? So in high school, and it kind of started in middle school too, I realized that I wanted to serve in some capacity and I didn't really know that ROTC was an option until I started you know, exploring more stuff such as, well, deciding between my options of enlisting or academies or something like that. And then I learned about ROTC and that's kind of when um, the process really started. Um, and I didn't know that I wanted nursing particularly until uh, pretty far into the process and not until actually after I got my scholarship. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah that is because when you do the uh, Army ROTC application, you either have to, if you choose nursing as a major, that usually locks you into the nursing, uh, you know, that nursing only. And so right. you actually did, a, you actually indicated a non-nursing major, right? When And then you got awarded a scholarship as a, as what was your major that you got this, got the scholarship with? I'm trying to remember. It's, I think it was just, it was whatever the general one was because I hadn't picked anything yet. So I think there's, mm -hmm. I think there's four different options and I picked, I might've picked like the undecided one, I think. Right. Maybe general sure. studies. Yeah. Yeah. That's general right. studies. So what, what happened when you, when you actually, when, when did you actually make the switch to the nursing uh, major? Not until after I had visited Xavier, mm -hmm. I think which I also didn't visit Xavier until after I got my scholarship because it had kind of always just been on the back burner for me. But I decided to switch to nursing, I think, in probably May or June of my senior year. Um, and I didn't think that it was an option really to change my major based on the scholarship. So 
but I talked to the scholarship officer at Xavier and he told me that he would call Fort Knox and uh, get them to switch it. And he did. So. Yeah. So the, the lesson here is that even if you uh, designate, particularly for Army ROTC, if you decide on one major and then you decide to switch to another, it's, it's one of the nice things about, I think, about Army ROTC is it allows you to kind of switch your majors or even switch from uh, a non-nursing to a nursing major. It's just it's really nice, though, that Xavier accepted you into the nursing school, even though you hadn't designated nursing right on your uh, application to Xavier, yeah. correct? Yeah, I hadn't even considered the fact that I might not get into the nursing school of Xavier because I didn't apply to that either. Um, but somehow I got in, so that was nice. And I feel like there's there's like this common misconception around the ROTC application that if you apply as a nursing major, you cannot switch your major throughout your college experience because there's only a certain amount of nursing slots. And they need nurses in the Army, so there's a stigma that if you switch out of nursing, then you'll lose your scholarship, which is completely untrue from what I've seen. I've seen my friends in ROTC switch from nursing, and they're still in the program, and they're completely fine. So that's also something to think about. Yeah, yeah, that may perhaps have something to do with the uh, need for nurses in the Army uh, and you know the needs of the Army at that particular time. I know that hasn't always been the policy, but it's good to hear now that there is some more flexibility there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So good. So uh, I know this is going to tie into our second part of the podcast here today, but why Xavier and what, what are some of the great things about it, attending Xavier uh, University as a uh, Army ROTC cadet? Yeah. So Xavier is, it's incredible. I, I love going to school there, um, but I did have, I had a tough time deciding um, because I got scholarship awards to Providence, Xavier University, and then Loyola University of Maryland. Um, which are all very similar, private, smaller-ish schools. So I always thought that Providence was my first choice because I did like I did my scholarship interview there. I had a couple tours, and then I didn't even tour Xavier until after I got my scholarship. But the second that I was there, I just kind of knew that 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 I fit in better there. And the cadre and the morale, I could tell, were just it was a way different change of pace than I saw at Providence. But I don't know. There's so much about Xavier that's it's really an incredible place to go to school. I I don't even know how to put it in the words. The people that I've met there are just they're incredible. Yeah, that's that's great. I know that uh, it sounds like you have a really good cadre there and a really good uh, support system there at Xavier. And uh, you know, it's um, you know you should definitely uh, when I you know talk to you know people, I, I mentioned that that, you know, you should go to the school that's the best fit for you. You know, the cadres change all the time. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you only do ROTC for a certain amount of hours uh, each week. And so, you know, you got to be also be happy with the school. So it sounds like you've got that great uh, kind of fit with both a great school and um, a, a very supportive cadre. That's wonderful. So, so good. So how about uh, some of uh, the financial advantages to going to a school like Xavier for you? Because I believe you went in on a three-year, what we call a three-year advanced designee scholarship, not a, not a four-year scholarship. So what were some of the great things about Xavier that uh, helped you with a three-year advanced designee scholarship? Right. So yeah, I did go in. I had a three-year AD. And so going into it as a private school, Xavier offers to pay their ROTC, their scholarship winners, they pay for their room and board. Um, so that was really nice. 
So the only thing that I would have to pay for my first year was tuition. So I made it through, you know, about like halfway through my first semester. And then I was approached by one of the cadre and they said, hey, the board has kind of looked at you as a cadet and what you've done in your first couple months here. And we would like to offer you an extension on your scholarship to basically make it a quote unquote three and a half year. So I was supposed to contract my the fall of my sophomore year. So this year, but instead I contracted halfway through my freshman year and then they paid. So then Xavier had to pay the second half of my freshman year, that tuition too. So I ended up only paying one semester of tuition, which was really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So the point is, is that if you get a three-year advanced designee scholarship for Army ROTC, that you could ha- get, you could be upgraded to a three and a half or even a four-year scholarship. So why did they come up to you, uh, Liz, and make the decision to give you this three and a half year scholarship? What did you do when you came onto campus that made them want to come up to you and do that? To be honest, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I think just they were looking for freshmen who were clearly um, trying to get really involved in the program who wanted to be someone that could be looked up to in the program to kind of make a name for themselves. And I definitely tried to do that in my first couple of months there because as a, you know, as a freshman in college, things are scary enough as it is. So I figured like, if I have this group of people, I might as well, you know, make the most of it and put myself out there as much as I can. They did it. They gave it to me and a couple other people as well. I'm pretty sure. Right. So you went and you you passed the physical fitness test, no problem. You mm-hmm. were actively participating. You were learning as much as you could. And the the uh, cadre took uh, took note of that, right? Yes. I think they were looking for people who who were catching on quickly to some of the, you know, the basics that you learn as an MS1. Um, and I really found myself kind of like at home in those situations. So I guess that kind of helped me out a lot in getting that advanced like scholarship. Yeah. And what do you do uh, to get more involved when you hit the ground running in campus? I know you probably worked uh, pretty hard to get uh, ready to attend Xavier. Maybe you, you know, worked on your physical fitness. And then when you got there, what are the, some of the things you did before you came to Xavier? And then once you got there to kind of get off on the right foot and to uh, make that a positive impression on the cadre. Yeah. Before I went off to school as a freshman, I, I've, I've loved to work out my whole life, but I definitely upped the ante a little bit that summer. And I knew I would be probably running a lot. And I know Cincinnati's a little bit hotter than Buffalo. So I was trying to, you know, get myself accustomed to the heat and I would run a lot and I still do run a lot. And I do a lot of HIIT workouts and stuff like that. So going into my freshman year, I felt really, really good physically wise. And I think it was like on the first day of PT or something, some of the cadre came up to me and they were like, hey, you're in really good shape. So that, you know, that boosted my confidence a little bit that people Mm -hmm. were like noticing that I was doing something. And then we have, there's two programs within, two like clubs kind of within our programs. There's a, there's a fraternity, the Pershing Rifles, and there's Ranger Team. And freshman year, I didn't think I was good enough for Ranger Team, so I didn't try out. But I began pledging for PR, so that kind of put a face with a name for me amongst the cadre. So I think all that stuff just kind of helped me stand out. Plus, I worked really hard for my GPA that semester. I'm surprised they didn't uh, they didn't get you for Ranger Challenge, given uh, that they need uh, what one each military science level, right? They need they need one person, right, for a team, right? It depends on what you're 
like what competition it is, but mm-hmm. yeah, they do. I, they tried, but I didn't think I was good enough as a freshman. <laughs> well, good. Well, it sounds like you did what you needed to do to, you know, get that uh, scholarship. So, I mean, you, so basically what you're, where you're at now is you've got a, uh, a scholarship to pay for the rest of uh, rest of your college. You have Xavier picking up room and board. You have a stipend each month and twelve hundred dollars for books. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so sounds good. Well, good. So so it's not all ro- uh, wine and roses as we like to say. So what? So uh, what? I mean, nursing is one of the hardest majors in college. So how have you been doing with balancing uh, doing ROTC and nursing? So the balance is definitely something that I had to learn early. You're just kind of, I relate it to being thrown in the deep end of a pool. You are thrown in and you have to learn how to swim. So I think the biggest thing that I've learned for myself is that the more I tell myself that this is too much, like nursing and RTC, like together that it's too much and it's too stressful, the more that I think about that, the worse that it gets. So the more that I get in my head about what I'm doing, the more I'll push things off, the more I'll procrastinate rather than just not thinking about it and just just doing it because that's, I don't know, thinking about it is what makes it so much more difficult. The schedule is also definitely very, very intense, but I think learning to time manage is it's the number one thing. Right. And have you started clinicals yet? Yes, I started them um, last semester. And how does that, how does clinicals balance with what you're doing with physical fitness in the morning with your lab and your classes? Right. Uh, so clinicals can definitely interfere with a lot of ROTC commitments, which ends up being the biggest issue for some nursing majors. So my clinicals last semester were only three hours and they happened to be in the afternoon on Wednesdays. So it was, it was fine. It didn't interfere with anything. Uh, this semester, they were six hours on Wednesdays in the afternoons, which was also totally fine. But when you get to be a junior, you know, they're, they're eight-hour clinicals. You usually start at around six or seven in the morning, and you go all day. And those are either on Tuesdays or Thursdays. Tuesdays isn't as much of an issue um, because we only have PT Monday, Wednesday, Friday, unless you're on Ranger team, then that conflicts with that. But other than that, if you have clinical on Tuesdays, you're good. But if it's on Thursdays, most people that I've talked to from other schools in RTC, they have their lab um, from Thursdays, usually in the afternoon. And lab is probably the biggest time of the week because that's one of the only times that all of the MS classes are together. That's when the MS3s really get a lot of their learning in for camp. That's when we do six lanes. Also, that's where you really put like your hands on learning into practice. So a lot of nurses end up having to miss lab on Thursdays, almost every Thursday, once clinicals start. And the nursing school, I know mine in particular, is very stubborn about their students' clinical times, and they will not switch them for anything, even for ROTC. So I know that ends up being a big issue, and that is a concern for me next year as to what day my clinicals are going to be. I know that some schools actually send their nurses to camp their their MS two year or this year that you're in right now, and then mm-hmm. because they know that the MS three year is is a heavy clinical year, your junior year. Uh, what's the reason? Is that what's still going on, or is, what, why is uh, what, why is it was the decision made to to have you do this your MS to actually do all your clinicals and get ready for uh, camp at the end of your MS three year at, during your MS three year? What's the thinking there? 
well, that option actually was, it was talked about for me my mm-hmm. freshman year. I was kind of confused. I'm the only nurse in my class. Mm-hmm. So there was, there was a man at my school one day. I don't, I don't know what he was. I don't know what his position is, but he was talking to me about how he wanted me to, yeah, exactly what you were saying, go to camp after my MS2 year. And I, at first I was on board. I was like, okay, that's, that's a little bit fast, but okay. Yeah, that's fine. And then after talking to my cadre and some of the other people in my class, we all kind of decided that that might not be the best idea. And plus I never really heard anything about it after that. So I'm, I'm fine with the decision. Honestly, I think I would rather be with the people from my class who I've gotten so close with. And I think, I think the, you know, the thinking behind it is to obviously take off some of the pressure from the MS3s because that year is a lot in and of itself. But what was explained to me when they were, you know, asking me to go to camp after being a two is that my MS3 year. So after I'd already been to camp, unlike most cadets, it would be a, an independent ROTC would be an independent study. And I would right. only have, I'd only have to go to PT. I wouldn't have an MS class. I wouldn't be required to go to lab. So, and I don't, honestly, that just didn't appeal to me that much. So there's definitely pros and cons. Right. Because you, you know, you, that would mean that you wouldn't be training with the class that you are, are a part of. Right. And you get, you get so close with the people in your MS class. And I, I don't know, I didn't really want to leave them after having like bonded with them for a whole year. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, the Xavier cadre is very supportive of, of nursing, uh, of what you're doing with, uh, with nursing. I'm kind of curious. I think our listeners might be curious. Are the clinicals done on, do you have a medical school on Xavier? Do you have to do clinicals out outside of uh, Xavier? We do clinicals outside of Xavier. We have labs and stuff. So one day a week you go to lab and then the other day you go offsite to clinical. So you have to go to certain hospitals in Cincinnati? Yeah. So I was at uh, Mercy West this semester. Okay. Is that a long drive for you? No, it was only about 20 minutes. Okay. Do My one ha- last semester was like five minutes away. It was really nice. So it just kind of depends. And you have your, does it, if you're a nurse uh, cadet on campus and you have clinicals off of campus, you need a car? You do, but depending on who's in your clinical group, someone's probably going to have a car. I don't have one personally, but. So you get rides with other people then? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Well, good. Well, that's, uh, it sounds like, uh, sounds like you're figuring it out. I'm sure that uh, next year is going to be, uh, is going to be probably your most hectic year. Most likely. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Well, let's talk about some of the other things that nurses do uh, during their time in ROTC. I mean, I know you're going to go to camp at Fort Knox here next uh, summer. Mm-hmm. And what about a uh, nurse training that you do while you're, while you're a cadet? Uh, so specific like nurse training that they give us is kind of infrequent, but they do what they've done in my program, at least is they've brought in uh, guest speakers who graduated from Xavier's ROTC program, um, whether they're, they brought in a couple last year, they didn't really do any this year, but there was a captain or the first lieutenant, I think, I don't remember, but they're in the nurse corps, they graduated from Xavier. And they would come in and talk to us a lot about furthering education once you've commissioned and you've been a nurse in the Army for a while. They talked a lot about CRNA positions, so certified nurse anesthetist, which is something that I'm looking at a lot uh, to go back to school for. So they really made an emphasis on not just finishing your nursing education after you graduate. 
they also taught us a lot of stuff. I learned to put in an IV on a fake arm, not a real one, on a fake arm as a freshman, which is something that most nursing students don't learn how to do until their senior year. So that was kind mm-hmm. of exciting. So ROTC does give you some perks and some insight as to what you should be doing nursing-wise. Yep. And then you're also, I know you're looking forward to the nurse summer training program at the uh, after you get done with uh, camp at Fort Knox, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am really excited for that. What I've heard is that it's just, it's basically a month-long clinical, but it's apparently it's really um, educational and you learn a lot and it's super fun. Yep. And so what, what, uh, what base or post would you like to go to if you had your, if you had your dream choice, which, which, where would you like to go? Ooh, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it that much. Fort Lewis would not be a bad option, honestly. Um, Seattle seems pretty cool. I'd be okay with that. How about, uh, how about uh, Oahu, Hawaii? That is also, I've heard, um, (laughs) (laughs) is a nice one, but I haven't heard of a lot of people going there recently. So I wouldn't put my money on it, but that would be ideal. Yes. Right. Yeah. So they're going to, so they'll, there's a possibility they may send you anywhere in in the U S but what a great opportunity for a month to see an, see an army base and, Mm -hmm. you know, and be a part of a, a hospital there, an army hospital. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So what's your plans here for the rest of your time in ROTC and once you uh, get commissioned? Continuing in ROTC from here, uh, well, this summer I was, um, well, I haven't heard anything yet. I'm supposed to go to airborne school in July. Um, Mm -hmm. So that should be coming up, hopefully, pandemic permitting. And then uh, next year, nothing much, just, you know, as an MS3, I'm going to take in as much as I can, hopefully compete in ranger challenges and stuff like that and then you know senior year hopefully crossing my fingers commission should be fine yeah any any sort of uh leadership role you'd like to take your senior year what you hope to do would you like to be the cadet commander or the operations officer or what would you like to do i have i don't know the xo might be kind of interesting or I mean, as a nurse, as the only nurse in my class, I'm going to be the medic. So that'll be, you know, super fun. But yeah, maybe the battalion commander. I don't know. Something yeah. something high up there, hopefully. Yeah. Are there any nurses uh, behind you in any class like that you can uh, help mentor? Oh, MS1 wise? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I think we have four. Mm-hmm. I think there's four MS1 nurses, which is exciting for me because I'm the only one in my class. Yeah. Are they, how are they doing so far? They're doing well. I've been trying to drill into their heads to take summer classes this summer. I don't know if it's working, but um, I tried my best. And what, what classes would you, were you recommending that they take over the summer? Definitely for Xavier, I always suggest microbiology lecture and lab because Mm -hmm. as a sophomore, your spring semester, so what I'm in now, uh, nursing majors, just regular nursing majors, take pathophysiology as along with, sorry, I can't speak, along with microbiology lecture and lab, which is a lot of science. And then, you know, any core classes in your nursing lecture, your nursing lab, clinical, it's a lot. So I was advised by an older nursing major last year to take microbiology lecture and lab online over the summer. Mm-hmm. And I did have to pay a little extra because the army wouldn't cover it because I was an MS one. That was their reasoning. I did have to pay extra, but I mean, you know, considering I don't have to pay 
tuition or room and board, I figured, you know, I could spare it. So I took microbiology lecture in lab over the summer. And I hate to say it, but I'm kind of I'm kind of chill in this semester. I don't have as much work. I have compared to other nursing majors that aren't in RTC. I am, I'm straight chilling. I don't have that much work. That's awesome. And yeah, yeah are there are there any uh, nurses above you of uh, in your any MS three or MS four nurses at Xavier? Yeah, there's there's two MS threes and two MS fours. Were, were they helpful to you? Uh, and did they give you advice uh, when you were in MS one? And do they continue to give you advice now? Yes, absolutely. I know I can, especially the fours, I know I can ask them absolutely anything. And then I'm living with the one of the MS3s next year. But yeah, they are extremely helpful. Yeah. So it's good. Uh, so, uh, so it's good to have uh, to maybe go to a, uh, when you consider which school you want to go to for Army ROTC, do you think it's important to have a fellow nursing cadets to be able to get advice from and to be able to, to get support from? Yes, for sure. I definitely felt like I was going to be somewhat alone in the nursing world as well as in ROTC, especially when I talked to my advisor, my nursing advisor, my freshman year, and I told her that I was in ROTC and she was like, so you're going to try to do nursing and ROTC? And I said, yes. And she goes, well, we've had some students do it. And I was like, okay. But then you get to ROTC and you realize that there's there's more people going through what you're doing. So, and that if you kind of all just help each other out, that it's easier to get through than you think. Right. And so uh, as an aside, uh, Liz, uh, the, the ROTC uh, gives scholarships only to certain schools uh, to take nursing. And it's really those schools that are supportive of the uh, ROTC and nurses going through ROTC. So, uh, at the, uh, in the, in the notes of this podcast, I'll go ahead and provide a list of those schools that do give scholarships, uh, for nursing. And I know Xavier certainly is one of those schools. And it sounds like that the, that the school is supportive of what you guys do in ROTC. Yes, they, they are, they definitely are to an extent. I've learned that nursing schools are very, um, I don't want to say high on themselves, but, you know, they like to put themselves as the student's top priority. And, you know, for most students who are just nursing majors, yes, nursing should be their top priority. But what I've learned is that ROTC is, and my military training is just as important to my career as my nursing classes are and my clinicals and stuff like that. So I've kind of learned to stand my ground when higher up people in the nursing school are telling me, well, you can't have your clinical on that day. You need to have it on this day. And I've kind of learned to just hold my own and say, hey, you guys need to kind of work around me too, because I've been working around you for a while. So if if you can kind of explain to them how important your military training is to your career, as well as the nursing and the clinicals and everything like that, um, they do kind of start to listen to you eventually because, you know, at first they like to put themselves as your top priority and they not, they are, but you also have other priorities. It's that balance. Yes. Yes. Well, great, Liz, let's uh, go and wrap this up here. And I just want to ask, uh, you know, what advice uh, that perhaps you haven't given so far that you would give your listeners that, you know, would be, might be sophomores, juniors in high school that would be listening to this uh, podcast uh, about and, and contemplating becoming a Army ROTC a nurse cadet. What, what sort of, what kinds of advice might you, might you give them? 
my first thought is if you're thinking about it and you've, you have the drive to be in the medical field and in the army and do all of it, do it. Absolutely. 100%. It has this experience. I've been in college for not even two years and both of these programs have taught me so much. They've taught me, you know, about myself. They taught me about, you know, I can handle so much more than I thought I could. My best advice would be, um, you know, once you're there, once you're you're in RTC, you're in the nursing program, to not freak out and to just. I did my freshman year. I freaked out about everything: my GPA, my PT, everything. Keep a level, a level, a level head. I talked about time management, um, and that can only really come with experience. You can go in, you know, being the most organized and planned high schooler in the world, which I kind of was, but you don't learn how to time manage until you're actually, you know, thrown in the deep end and you're forced to do it. I think that's pretty much it. And honestly, just to don't sell yourself short, you're definitely more capable of what you think you are. And I learned that, but it only comes with experience. Yeah. Well, Liz, you know, thanks so much for uh, coming on the uh, podcast uh, here today. Uh, I know that, you know, I learned quite a bit today and I know that the listeners here today very much appreciate your advice, wise counsel, and uh, and and just they can feel your excitement about you know about ROTC becoming an Army nurse, uh, and uh, I certainly hope that they make uh, those same decisions, uh, you know, to do ROTC and do uh, Army nursing here in the future. So thanks for coming on on uh, the podcast. Wanted to address now the a question of private colleges versus public colleges for attendance uh, for ROTC. Uh, I've, uh, as I've been a professor of military science or Army ROTC for uh, two high-cost schools, uh, Claremont McKenna College and uh, the University of Southern California, uh, both in the Los Angeles uh, area. Uh, some of my uh, satellite programs were uh, public colleges, uh, such as uh, Cal State San Bernardino, U, uh, University of California, Riverside, and the uh, University of uh, California, Irvine. So I have experience in, uh, in with cadets who attended both uh, public and uh, private schools. So it kind of gives me uh, a kind of a, pers- uh, a, a, a perspective on both sides of it uh, regarding uh, the choices that, you know, that you'd make regarding, uh, th- regarding both of those uh, options. And so what I wanted to do is just go through uh, some of my thoughts about that and maybe give you uh, the pluses and minuses of private schools and then uh, talk about public schools uh, in pluses and minuses based on kind of the ad- advantages and disadvantages of, pub- of private schools. So first is uh, private schools and some of the incentives that uh, private schools in particular provide. Uh, there's a lot of private schools out there that uh, pay for room and board uh, and tuition for the first year uh, of a three-year scholarship. So you saw our guest, uh, Cadet Reiterbach, uh, uh, talking about uh, how uh, Xavier University provided four years of room and board even on a three-year scholarship. Uh, so in effect, all her parents had to pay for was the first uh, semester or the first year tuition. And so a lot of uh, private schools uh, do that. And their uh, rationale behind it is that there's a sticker price and the real price that most students pay to go to a, a private school. 
So ROTC pays the sticker price, which for example, what might be $50,000, whereas most students get grant aid, scholarships, and their uh, tuition may be, say, $35,000 a year. So that $15,000 delta that the ROTC programs pay, in other words, the sticker price, the schools make a decision to to take that $15,000 and rather than pocket that money, give uh, the $15,000 as kind of a gift to ROTC cadets uh, as a room and board, a room and board package. So uh, that can obviously be worth fifty dollars to $60,000 over uh, four years if you, you know, go to a school that actually uh, does that. And there's a, as I said, there's a number of schools out there that do that. There's only uh, a few public schools that actually provide room and board for the ROTC uh, scholarship. I know University of Kentucky is one, but there's very few other ones that come to mind that actually provide room and board. So it's mostly a, a private school phenomenon is the room and board. So I think that's really a big advantage to private schools versus public schools to do your ROTC at. The second, I think, positive for for private schools is they help you gain admission to the school if you have a scholarship in hand. So the ROTC offers uh, or makes offers for scholarships multiple times in a year, depending on when you go in front of uh, the selection board. So you may get a scholarship offer as early as October, January, or March. And most colleges and universities don't make uh, admissions decisions until late April. So if you have a a scholarship in hand to a university uh, in, uh, say, October or January, you can... uh, Oftentimes, if you talk to your ROTC program, they can advocate for you with admissions in order to help you get into that college university. When I was uh, the professor of military science at Claremont McKenna, I would uh, sit down with the admissions director and we would talk about applicants and uh, applicants that already had scholarships. Uh, and the uh, Claremont McKenna was a huge supporter of ROTC and would help give consideration to cadets who already were or other candidates who had already been offered a scholarship. So it's really school dependent. You know, you have to contact your your school, but this is almost in all cases private schools because public schools usually don't have the latitude to give uh, individual uh, scholarships or to give a push to uh, Army or Air Force or Navy ROTC candidates. So this is generally a phenomenon of uh, private schools. I'd say some of the other things with private schools that uh, I uh, liked over my public school cadets experiences would be the uh, student-to-faculty uh, ratio, meaning the students get uh, more individual attentions, and I think in a lot of ways a better educational experience with a lower student-to-faculty ratio at uh, private colleges versus public colleges. I think also public, uh, rather private colleges will uh, try to get you graduated in four years. Public colleges generally are not as concerned about getting you graduated in four years. And if you know about the ROTC, you get four years of, uh, of benefits. You may get, if you're an engineering major, you get may get a little bit more. But I've seen in a number of cases with uh, cadets and midshipmen going to public colleges where their benefits run out and are unable to graduate on time because a class is not available uh, or 
you know, other reasons, uh, you know, where the school's not uh, completely attentive to getting them finished on time. So I never had a problem with that with 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 private schools, but I certainly did uh, with the public schools. And I had a number of cases where I had public school cadets uh, come up to me and say, you know, either seniors, for example, who I works were was expecting to graduate in you know June and you know told me they couldn't get a class and they'd have to push off their graduation uh, for six months and uh, that may only be one person but it has a cascading effect uh, so for example in in the in the Army ROTC program there's uh, over 270 uh, ROTC programs and you can imagine if every single program had one cadet uh, that slid a year you know, that took an, an extra year to get, to graduate and get commissioned. That's 270 some odd cadets that the army was counting on to become officers that are unable to graduate on time. So I rarely, if ever had any problem with private school, my private school cadets graduating on time. Uh, so uh, I think that's a, 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 certainly a consideration. Now, some states, State colleges are not as impacted as uh, other states. I know here in California, where uh, I managed uh, my cadets, uh, that there was uh, this issue with impacted uh, situations and and uh, cadets not being able to graduate on time. So I think that's a big positive about going to a private school versus a, a public uh, school. Finally, uh, regarding public school, I would say that in general, the facilities are usually a little bit nicer in the public, in the private colleges. When I was at Claremont McKenna or USC, I got extra money from the university in order to conduct my uh, things that I wanted to do for the cadets. You know, the smaller colleges tend to, uh, you know, they tend to support ROTC a little bit more, maybe say than a large public school. So, uh, Based on my experience, I've seen you know more support coming from the small private schools or even you know large private schools than I uh, saw from uh, from public schools uh, within uh, the footprint that I was dealing dealing with and and was commanding. So uh, so again, finally, you know the support of ROTC is I think much more uh, much more or much greater in, in a lot of cases in for public uh, than private. So, uh, so the, let's talk about, so the positives for private schools, again, the incentive for room and board paying for first year tuition uh, on a three-year scholarship is positive. Second is gaining uh, admission to the school. If you already have a scholarship at hand, getting that kind of extra push that will allow you to get into the college, the private college or university of your choice, lower student faculty to ratios, which means a better educational experience allowing your graduates to graduate on time and uh, not being a part of an impacted university, public university, which means classes would not be available, extending the time to graduation. And finally, uh, support to ROTC is often uh, better at public schools than private schools. So then what is the... uh, what is the downsides of public schools and why might you want or po- private schools rather was the downsides of private schools and why might you want to go to uh, a public school instead? Well, I think there are some, uh, there are certainly some advantages uh, and um, certainly one of the uh, major things is cost. So if you go to a public school or rather private school, you're 
and you're on a three-year scholarship and you you may have to pay for the first year of tuition. So that can be, you know, 30 or $40,000 whereas a public school might be a lot less for a, uh, the first year. Also, if you decide to uh, uh, drop out of ROTC or if you get injured, you have to take a break. Uh, you have to take a leave of absence, meaning a leave of absence from ROTC, but you continue have to continue at the university. The ROTC will not pay for benefits while you're away from, from ROTC. So if you're sitting at a, a private school and you know something happens to you, you may need to pay for that year, or you probably will have to pay for that year. So uh, not everything is a smooth ride for all uh, students in ROTC. So you have to take that into consideration. Uh, you know, can you pay for a year of tuition uh, at a pub, at a private school if something happens to you while you're while you're a cadet? The other uh, uh, thing that I think is is important to keep in mind is the type of scholarship you get. Now, I think a lot of these rules hold for the Army and Navy ROTC scholarships and the Type 1 Air Force scholarship. Now, all three of those scholarships pay the full tuition for uh, ROTC cadets. So for the Army and Navy, obviously that, you know, if if the public school is paying or the, the ROTC is paying for the full private school tuition bill, that's obviously a huge advantage and one where you're it's you're where you know you're not out of pocket paying any of the tuition also room and board for a lot of public private schools doesn't uh, kick in until until or unless the full tuition is paid however for the air force the air force most of their scholarships are type 2 scholarships or type 7 scholarships so a type 2 scholarship pays for 4 years of the college at $18,000 a year. The uh, type seven pays for three, for uh, four years of uh, scholarship for an in-state tuition, or it can be converted to a $18,000 scholarship for your last three years. So if you do the math and and Air Force is paying $18,000 a year and you have a a scholarship bill of $50,000 a year, you can see that going to a public, or a, I'm sorry, a private school for uh, ROTC on an Air Force Type Two or Type Seven scholarship uh, can be uh, problematic to try to make up make up that delta. So going to say an in-state school for Air Force for a Type Seven scholarship, Type Seven about seventy percent of the scholarships are Type Seven. So so doing an in-state uh, school for Air Force would make sense because your your four-year scholarship would be picked up uh, on that. Now, uh, another thing that the, our listener that you, you guys should uh, realize is that the Air Force, uh, or rather some states, uh, recognize out-of-state students as in-state students uh, if they are scholarship students with ROTC. So, for example, uh, I know Texas schools uh, do this. Uh, some schools in Georgia, there's a whole list of schools that provide in-state benefits for out-of-state students that are contracted ROTC cadets. So that can turn a, a an out-of-state Air Force Type 7 scholarship to a full, full ride scholarship, uh, or rather a full tuition scholarship. So uh, that would certainly be for the Air Force, I think, certainly in most cases, uh, 
at least financially, going to a public school would make sense uh, versus going to a private school, unless, um, of course, you're on a uh, on a Type One Air Force scholarship, which is anywhere between eight to ten percent of the awardees. Then you know you can go to a private school and have the full tuition paid for. And you know, public schools are great. They're, they give you, a, 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 again, a great educational experience. They have honors programs and other types of, uh, of uh, experiences uh, that uh, I think perhaps may stand out from a private school, a, you know, bigger uh, and be- experiences, you know, uh, athletic uh, opportunities and other things. So it's not a cut and dry uh, uh, decision, whether or not you go to a public or a private school. Uh, and it necessarily may not also be totally a financial decision. Uh, so, uh, so again, what I wanted to do uh, kind of in this uh, second part of this uh, podcast today was to kind of give you my thoughts uh, regarding uh, this question of public and private. And it's not, you know, one of these things, it's not a completely clear decision one way or the other. And I think you can tell perhaps from this, uh, from at least from my experience, that I think there may be more advantages to the private school from a financial standpoint and a graduation standpoint to that. So, so yeah, so, you know, so go in, make that, make that decision and realize just, you know, the opportunities, uh, you know, certainly of, uh, private schools and, uh, and, you know, as you make that decision between, uh, public and, and private schools. So, um, thanks uh, for listening here today and, and hope you en- enjoyed the uh, podcast. Thanks for listening to the ROTC scholarship podcast. If you like what we're doing, please leave a quick review. If you have any questions or want more information about ROTC or our consulting services, please visit our website at rotcconsulting.com. Take care, and we'll see you next time.